The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. And now it's time for the Mr. Nelson Show. Welcome to episode 10 of the Mr. Nelson Show. I hope everyone had a lovely Thanksgiving. I was a little ill, so I didn't. But I still managed to find time to scrape together another episode of your favorite podcast. Uh, Yeah, okay, I know it's not, but uh, uh, yes, episode 10 of uh, the Mr. Nailshead Show. Uh, Yes, 10, 10 episodes. Remember when you were a little kid and uh, the number 10 was a big deal? And then you discovered there's more numbers after that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Speaking of tins, <laughs> uh, a Twitter friend of mine, Regina, at Regina Don't Cares with a Z, posted a little note of some significance. It said something like this. 1944. 18-year-old storm beaches. Jump from planes. Charge into almost certain death. 2015. 18-year-olds need a safe space because of words. Yeah. Whatever happened to adulthood? Uh, Mostly I blame the baby boomers. They were the first generation of the modern America we all know. They were the first spoiled teenagers. In fact, they were the first teenagers that the term was coined for. They got television, rock and roll, and all that fun pop culture crap. Eventually they became hippies and whiny useful idiot tools for leftist assholes. As they aged, they invented conditions like the midlife crisis, as if they were the first generation to grow old. To this day, there are boomers who can't let go of their adolescent selves. Unfortunately, successive generations have just followed suit. I think the uh, midlife crisis today begins like at 14. (laughs) People just don't want to let go of those years. I don't know why. I've always hated teenagers. Uh, especially when I was one. Boy, I couldn't wait to get out of that. But, uh, yeah, uh, I think a lot of people are just stuck there. And uh, I'm guilty of it, too, in my own way. I I read comic books. What the hell? But, but yeah, I'm I'm saying it began with the baby boomers, and they became uh, incredibly spoiled. You know? Because... America, in a lot of ways, is a victim of its own success. You know, the boomers, the boomers' parents survived the Great Depression, and uh, they fought the war against the monstrous Axis powers. If you don't know what that means, look it up, for God's sakes. Jeez, we have to spoon-fed everything. Uh, after that, they uh, not only wanted the good life and deserved it, but uh, they wanted it for their kids, too. And their kids got it. Big time. You know, people love their kids, and it's hard not to spoil them. But there are consequences. So, uh, this brings me to the uh, Mizzou situation and the uh, other universities when they had their little their little shindigs, you know, and I got a bunch of people fired over... Maybe they heard a word somewhere. <laughs> and so, uh, careers had to be destroyed over that. And uh, I couldn't help but notice the the deer-in-the-headlights looks on the faces of university deans and presidents and even a few professors. And all I could think was, 
Congratulations, Dr. Frankenstein. Okay, that's commentary. Uh, we'll be right back with some more fascinating fun from your friend, Mr. Nelson. After these important messages. You know that other show Bob Levy has, Beauty and the Beast with the lovely Sahari Candela? Yes, that one. Well, on a recent episode, a back door was opened into some intimate secrets concerning Miss Candela. Because I don't feel like a woman should give all their best secrets right off jump. So you're saying no anal until the ring? No, I've done anal. Yes. But... See, but I don't think that you should do anal with everybody. No, it's a gift. It's it's a gift that should be given only to the great. Uh, and, and here's a, and here's the thing. So it's a gift. It's a gift given to. It's an, a gift, but I don't have a. I like. I'm not a person that hates it. I actually love it more than than penis you, and vagina. Oh my god! Are you serious? I, yeah, dead serious. Holy. I don't think I, I like it more than that. But oh my god. <laughs> I am, I am trying. I'm squeezing my dick to keep it down right now. Stop it! <laughs> oh man, there is a god. <laughs> Admit, is gray hair sneaking up on you? Hey, it is sneaking up on me. Down hair toe. Mint, your world doesn't need to be all shades of gray. With For Men Only Hair Stain, you can re-enter a manly black and colored world and get laid. Now FDA approved for your pubes. Ah, oh, now that's a lot better. And thicker too. Hair stain for men only. Women, especially pregnant women, should never even touch hair stain unless you want breast cancer, brain cancer, rectal rot, and or retard babies. By purchasing this product, we assume that you do not want the aforementioned battle days. You know how sometimes your kids end up hanging around the wrong crowd? Especially a particular bad kid who's just a really terrible influence? And then you gotta rein him in? Well... It said, uh, to, uh, the prisoner asked for chocolate bars, but she didn't want to give them because she, she was afraid he might break out. You, I'm gonna fucking come over here. I, I swear to God, I'm gonna come over this fucking board and choke <laughs> you the fuck out if you hang out with that wit anymore. Enough of these fucking puns, okay? I missed it. You didn't. You missed that one. She was I gonna. Missed it. She was gonna give him chocolate bars, but he was afraid he was gonna break out. I swear to God, you fucking no more. I'm telling you right now. Do you got his stuff in your truck? Cause I'm gonna go out there right now and throw it out. Well, well let's hope our John Ginsel has learned his lesson. That who are we kidding? He didn't learn anything. Children are our future, and you love them. But sometimes, you just need to get away from them for a while so you can jack off. Well, then canceled daycare may be the answer for you. I mean, come on. Who better to care for your kids than a grown man who plays with puppets? <laughs> hey, hey, Jimmy, why aren't you playing with the other kids? Because <laughs> I'm shy. Well, then get a puppet. So you can hide your sad, sorry self behind another identity. <laughs> yes, John Kinsel's counseling abilities are second to none. <laughs> hey, hey, Sally. <laughs> What's wrong? Well, my mommy and daddy fight, because daddy always wants to know where she's been. <laughs> well, just tell your daddy you saw mommy hanging out with some black gentleman. <laughs> 
And when it comes to discipline, Kinsel has his own proven techniques. Uncle Johnny Billy called me a doo-doo head. <laughs> well, Ricky, get out your paper and crayons and draw a cartoon of Billy eating dog poo. <laughs> and sign it, ha-ha, and then mail it to him. <laughs> hey, Billy, get over here, boy. <laughs> Pick up some scissors and give me a hundred laps. Uh, oh, oh, man. <laughs> What's that smell? George pooped his pants again. <laughs> George, pull down your drawers and rub your nose in it. Uh, do I have to? <laughs> yeah, that's how my dad did me. And look how I turned out. So get to it, George. <laughs> yes, he's a natural. So what are you waiting for? Dump, uh, uh I mean, drop your kids off at Kinsel Daycare today. Mr. Kinsel, the chocolate milk tastes shitty. <laughs> oh, man. I knew there had to be a catch to <laughs> that discount that Milkman Al gave me. Kinsel <laughs> 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 Daycare will take no responsibility for any claims of physical or psychological trauma because kids always lie. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Ha uh-huh. ha. And now it's time for another episode of Perhaps, but maybe not. This story from Reuters. Mixed message on weed killer reflects reality of scientific uncertainty. Contradictory advice from two European-based agencies about the cancer risk posed by the weed killer glyphosate offers clarity on only one message. That uncertainty is inherent in the scientific process. Glyphosate, brought into use by Monsanto in the 1970s and used in its top-selling product Roundup, is unlikely to cause cancer, according to the European Food Safety Authority, EFSA. Yet probably does, according to the International Agency for Research on Cancer, IARC. Both are likely to be right, specialists say, but only in their own contexts. And for consumers, the key distinction to understand is the difference between hazard and risk. At face value, the opinions of the IARC and EFSA appear to be contrary. But the reality is, they are not directly comparable. Said Peter Jenkinson, a genotoxicologist and managing director, France and UK of the chemicals consultancy CEHTRA Limited. How about that alphabet soup? That's partly because the evidence the two agencies considered was not the same. EFSA only assessed glyphosate, while IARC looked at glyphosate alone and at products it's used in, and partly because they used different methods to draw conclusions. Just as importantly, however, it is because they approached their task from different stances, one being hazard identification, the other being risk assessment. Jenkinson noted that while EFSA used a weight of evidence approach in its review published last week, IARC, which used its glyphosate classification in March, takes the view that if one study has a positive result, it can outweigh negative studies, even if there are more negative than positive ones. EFSA also analyzed some studies conducted by industry groups that were not part of IARC's review. IARC says it looks slowly at evidence that has already been published and can be reviewed by independent scientists. Monsanto welcomed the EFSA review, 
saying in a statement that its findings that glyphosate is unlikely to pose a carcinogenic hazard to humans, aligned with conclusions from regulatory agencies around the world. In contrast, it said, IARC's review selectively included and interpreted data, followed non-standard toxicological procedures, and only reflects the opinions of a select group of scientists. David Coggin, a professor of occupational and environmental medicine at Britain's University of Southampton, says, It's important to bear in mind that the EFSA and IRC operate within different frameworks. The level of precaution that is applied in the face of scientific uncertainty depends on value judgments and is not a scientific question. Both agencies note that there is some so-called genotoxic evidence that exposure to glyphosate can alter or damage DNA in animal or human cells. But this evidence is then viewed in different contexts. For IARC, a World Health Organization, who agency whose list of probable and possible cancer risks include high temperature frying, shift working, and mobile phone use. The glyphosate review was about the assessment of a potential hazard. In other words, IARC is tasked with highlighting anything that might, in certain conditions, however rare, be able to cause cancer in people. EFSA, on the other hand, is concerned with real-life risks and whether, in the case of glyphosate, there is evidence to show that when used in normal conditions, the pesticide poses an unacceptable risk to human health or the environment. EFSA's rule is to guide policymaking in the European Union, and it describes itself as an independent agency funded by the EU budget that operates separately from the European Commission, European Parliament, and EU member states. IARC's activities are mainly funded by the regular budget contributions paid by its 25 member states, which include the United States, Australia, and many European countries. Which conclusion or opinion is correct depends on your point of view on the methods used by the two agencies, said Jenkinson. For me, the EFSA methodology is the one that is more scientific, pragmatic, and balanced. The campaign group Greenpeace described the EFSA's review on Friday as a whitewash, and the Environmental Action Group, the Natural Resources Defense Council, NRDC, accused EFSA of conducting a process that that relies on an industry-supplied scientific review. The WHO-IRC's review is a much more robust, scientifically defensible, and public process involving an international committee of non-industry experts, said NRDC spokeswoman Jennifer Saz. Yet critics of IRAC, which last month classified the consumption of red meat as probably carcinogenic to humans, say it's hazard identification approach is becoming meaningless for consumers who struggle to apply its advice to real life. The big problem with IARC is that what they're doing is looking around for any evidence that might enable them to say that under particular circumstances this thing could be a carcinogen, said Colin Berry, Emeritus Professor of Pathology at Queen Mary University of London. Barry, who declares an interest as having acted as a consultant for Monsanto, says that since glyphosate is strictly controlled in agricultural uses and available in only very weak solutions for regular consumers, has a very low risk. But these reports worry people, he said, and I think the process has lost its usefulness if all it's doing is jittering worry. So at the end of this boring crap and it all its alphabet soup, we're left where we began. 
Does Roundup cause cancer? Perhaps. But maybe not. But wait, there's more. Yes, this is a special, perhaps, but maybe not, with yet another story. This time, a story coming to us from Mail Online, that's Daily Mail, by Kate Pickles. How online porn is fueling sex addiction. Yes, easy access to sexual images blamed for the rise of people with compulsive sexual behavior. Study claims the endless supply of pornography on the internet is feeding sex addiction. Yeah, you just said that. Sex addiction. When an individual has difficulty controlling their sexual thoughts, feelings, or behavior is relatively common, affecting as many as 1 in 25 young adults. Young adults? Sounds hot, doesn't it? Eh, anyway, researchers from the University of Cambridge claim that this is being fueled by easy access to sexual images on the internet. Tiger Woods and Russell Brand are both celebrities who have well-documented addictions to sex. The ready supply makes it difficult for people with compulsive sexual behavior to resist their urges, according to the study published in the Journal of Psychiatric Research. Scientists tested sex addicts and healthy men how do you tell the difference? <laughs> to see how they responded to sexual images. Brain scans revealed that sex addicts became desensitized when repeatedly shown the same sexual images, with a decrease in activity in the region of the brain associated with rewards. This was found to be consistent with habituation, where the addict finds the same stimulus less and less rewarding. So, sex addicts need to seek new images to get the same high. Scientists compared it to a coffee drinker getting a caffeine buzz from their first cup and how this reduces over time and the more they drink coffee. Yeah, that's a pretty bad comparison. Yeah. The same habituation effect also occurred in healthy males who were repeatedly shown the same porn video. But when they then view a new video, the level of interest and arousal goes back to the original level, suggesting sex addicts would need to seek out a constant supply of new images. We can all relate in some way to searching for a novel stimuli online. It could be flitting from one news website to another, or jumping from Facebook to Amazon to YouTube and on, said lead author Dr. Valerie Voon. Easy access to pornographic images online makes it easy for sex addicts to fuel their addictions. For people who show compulsive sexual behavior, though, this becomes a pattern of behavior beyond their control, focused on pornographic images. In previous work led by Dr. Voon, from the Department of Psychiatry, scientists found that three brain regions were more active in sex addicts compared with the healthy volunteers. These regions, the ventral striatum, dorsal anterior cingulate, and amygdala, were the same as activated in drug addicts when shown drug stimuli. Our findings are particularly relevant in the context of online pornography. Adds Dr. Voon. It's not clear what triggers sex addiction in the first place, and it is likely that some people are more predisposed to the addiction than others. But the seemingly endless supplies of novel sexual images available online helps feed their addiction, making it more and more difficult to escape. 
There is no formal definition of the condition to help with diagnosis of the condition, which is heavily stigmatized and can lead to a sense of shame, affecting an individual's family and social life, as well as their work. No formal definition. I thought you just said it was sex addiction. Well, they just can't tell you what, your, what condition your condition is in. So, does online porn create sexual addiction? Perhaps. But maybe not. It's probably more perhaps, huh? <laughs> and there you go. We'll be right back with Night Night after these important messages. Well, hello there. Yes, it's Mr. Nelson. Some of you might have noticed that these films I have over at my little store are all pure crap. And that's the idea. That's why I brutalize them with my savage commentary and nasty sound effects. But you're in luck. I found a film that's actually quite good. In fact, it's a horror classic. I'm talking about Night of the Living Dead. Don't ask me. For some reason, it just was not copyright protected, and so it fell into public domain, which leaves it open to assholes like me to just dump all over it. I shouldn't, but I can't help myself. Anyway, Night of the Living Dead is about some people who spend the night in some old farmhouse when suddenly... Some undead cannibals show up to crash the party. Warning, due to an extreme lack of talent, bathroom humor is deployed throughout the film. So what are you waiting for? Head over to selfy.com slash Nelson. That's S-E-L-L-F-Y dot com slash N-A-I-L-S-I-N. There you'll find all the films that I've graced with my smart-ass commentary. So again, head over to selfy.com slash Nelson. So, Tammy, what about you and me? Uh, seriously? <laughs> yes, from the producers of Really? And So That Just Happened comes the new hit sitcom, Seriously? I know how to cook. I've got a microwave. Seriously? <laughs> Get ready to slap some knees and grab your belly because the laughter will never let you go. No, seriously, Monday nights on NBC, right after Can't Even, and followed by, so, are you going to finish that? A lot of creepy, a lot of good-looking girls in this audience now. I got a fucking log in my underwear. That's right, I have a wooden cock. I was circumcised with a pencil sharpener. Our pal, the late, great Otto Peterson, is no longer with us. But his legacy of laughs lives on at autoandgeorge.com. There you can order Otto and George's new DVD slash CD in concert. And you can get his new t-shirt. Or anything Otto and George can be found at autoandgeorge.com. The Bob Levy Show supports Warrior Point. Warrior Point, Inc. was created to be the number one rallying point for any and all veterans who have honorably served this great nation. It does not matter whether you served your time during peacetime, wartime, or if you're still serving. At Warrior Point, you can join the brotherhood of your fellow veterans and buttress one another and to help raise awareness of the issues you face as defenders of our nation. You can follow Warrior Point on Twitter at Warrior Point, like them on Facebook, 
and go to their site warriorpoint.org and all of these links can be found at revboblevy.com. In our last episode, Night Knight found himself losing his balance while atop a street lamp post. No, I'll not be taken down by some common pissant, for I am Night Knight! And lose his balance he did indeed, but not before landing on the lamp post and crushing his balls. <laughs> the pain of which drove him into unconsciousness, and he fell to the street below. While there, he was accosted by a sinister-looking vagrant who proceeded to open his pants and urinate into the face of our hero. Meanwhile, Bubo sits by and watches the whole disgusting scene, doing nothing. Aw, oh, man, that filthy bum is peeing on night-night. I feel like I should be doing something. But that bum looks scary, and I got stitches to protect. What? feels like rain. But, but no, it, it smells, it smells like, like urine! Night Knight awakens to view the hideous visage of his wet assailant. <laughs> How you like that lemonade, Night Knight, huh? <laughs> At this, Night Knight springs to action, kicking the bum into oncoming traffic. You sorry-ass perversion of humanity! <coughs> the bum lands firmly into the grill of a large truck, which unwittingly drives said bum far, far away. Whoa! You kicked him into that truck, Night-Night! Uh, well, a fitting end for his kind. Besides, don't you dare touch me, you little shit! Where the hell were you when I was... I was... Was, was suffering this this violation. But night night, uh, I had stitches to protect. Stitches, you useless moron! Why did I ever pardon up with you? Because we're family. Our dad cheated on your mom with my mom. Remember? God, don't remind me. And elsewhere, at stately Richman Manor. Hey, Smed. Lyle gave me this supposedly special credit card, but it was denied. What's the dealio? Uh, well, Lyle's loaded, but not with brains. You see, that card is reserved for his night-night spending. You know, for buying weapons, jets, nuclear reactors, and tights. But he often maxes it out and forgets to pay up on time. What? Look, if he expects any kind of relationship here, he's going to need to grow his ass up. I want you to go burn those night-night tights right now. But, uh, well, he did say you was the lady of the house. <laughs> Finally got some damn sense around here. Um, well, uh, in the meantime, Sally Sue, the gardener here, can loan you some of her clothes. Hi, your costume is so cute. Let's go play dress up. Holy, Holy torpedoes, torpedoes away. Look at them knockers. <laughs> no, you can't play dress up without getting undressed. <laughs> Down below in the night's lair, our heroes return home to clean up and freshen up 
but... Damn it, Smedley! Where the hell are my spare night-night suits? In the furnace, burning to ash. Huh? What? You pig lady of the house ordered me to burn them silly suits, and for you to grow your sorry ass up. And let me tell you, it sure felt good to light the match on that crap. Huh? What? Flying pig betrayed me? I... I mean already? Damn, damn, damn. I'll, I'll deal with this apparent spat later. Come on, Bubo. We have business with Commissioner Wetwin. But nay, nay, you still smell like homeless pee. Shut up, Bubo. And soon at City Hall, where one can find Police Commissioner Wetwin. <laughs> Damn, something smells like beer rot piss. That's probably just night night, Commissioner. See, he got peed on by some nasty stinking bum. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Yeah, well, you shouldn't bring that stink in here. Damn it. Just just, just come in off the window. The wind's blowing that stink all over here. It is only fitting that you too should suffer this indignity. After all, it was your public lack of respect for me that led to this urological atrocity. <laughs> it couldn't have happened to a more deserving fellow. Enough! I'll suffer no more mockery this day. Either give me the details of your task force, or I go to the press about your affair with D.A. Style. Task force? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, that crap. Uh, yeah, let me look at my files. And so, Wet One searches his files for something to appease the nasty night night. <sighs> Damn, Damn it. it. Hmm. Yeah, here, here we, we go. go. Look here, night night. This is Snakehead. He's managed to consolidate all of the city's organized crime element under his scaly thumb. So far, we have been unable to gather enough evidence to bring him down, but. Well, maybe you could find something. Snakehead, huh? Indeed, he is a snake. A serpent. Not unlike a dragon. And so this knight shall slay this dragon, thus bringing peace and order to the frightened peons of my city. So, let's go. <laughs> Guess again, my friend. I've never set you up against a badass like Snakehead. Hopefully he'll chop your head off. Then I can charge him with your murder, thereby killing two birds with one stone. Later, across town, we find the aforementioned Snakehead in his plush high-rise office. So, my little friend, I hear you no want to play along. I hear you no like the Snakehead. That you be cozy with the fuzz, no? Don't be upset. I just have a difficult time respecting a circus freak. Enraged, Snakehead grabs the midget mobster and lifts him off the ground. No! Well, Mabel, this will rearrange your opinions. Oh, oh, please. What are you going to do? Rip my arms off? Exactly. And so, Snakehead rips off the arms of the diminutive crime lord with terrifying ease. Snakehead got his name due to his deformed, scaly skin texture and greenish color. Another factor in earning his name is his brutal brutality, as evidenced by this monstrous scene, which unbeknownst to Snakehead was witnessed by Night Knight and Bubo, who hanged just outside his office window. But Snakehead's atrocity does not end here. No, he now beats his fallen rival with said rival's own severed limbs. How do you like them apples? <laughs>
While outside hanging from their night gables, our heroes respond in shocked, gasped amazement to the horrible horror they have just witnessed. Good lord, he's, he's a monstrous monster. Oh yeah, just look at him. You know, Bobo, our plate is already full with crooks we've already been dealing with. Maybe we should go check on the fooler or uh, the pink elephant. But suddenly, Snakehead turns to see our masked marvels hanging outside his window. Uh, he's seen his night night. He's gonna rip our arms off. <laughs> oh shit! No, no, he, he's gonna throw that sofa at us. And in this instance, Night Knight is correct, for Snakehead does indeed lift up his sofa and toss it through his own window towards our heroes. <laughs> ah! Down our heroes go to their apparent splattery demise. We must release the night cushion. Night Knight retrieves the night cushion, which should inflate into a size large enough to break their fall. Ha <laughs> ha! You can't beat the knight! And surprisingly, the cushion does indeed inflate and land perfectly, but then... A certain passing truck with a certain vagrant stuck to its grill pushes the night cushion far, far away. With their last hope swept away, our grown men of action shriek with a sound not unlike twelve-year-old little girls. But irony strikes again, as the cause of their calamity, a certain gangster sofa, suddenly turns out to be their salvation, as the sofa lands first and breaks their fatal fall. For several seconds, which seem to last for hours, our heroes sit in stunned silence. And then... Phew! That was close. Lucky for us, that sofa broke our fall. <laughs> Luck had nothing to do with it, Bubo. I knew that if I angled my body properly, that the sofa would, indeed, break our fall. But, 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 but I ain't angled my body. How'd you know it would catch me? Uh, subliminally, uh, my training and, uh, just never mind. It's too hard to explain to a mind as minute as yours. Meanwhile, back at Richmond Manor, Smedley searches the house for his girlfriend, Sally Sue, the gardener. Damn, how long does it take to try on clothes? <laughs> Come on, don't be shy. I'm <laughs> What the hell? Smedley is shocked to find Sally Sue nakedly nude in bed with an equally nakedly nude flying pig in bed together in what appears to be a sapphic scenario. I always knew I'd lose you, but I never thought I'd lose you to a woman dressed up like a pig. Now, Smith, don't talk like that. Oh, man, I just thought of it. Now I've got old man cooties. I am out of here. Smith, no. I'm sorry. I, I was weak. It was just for kicks. She means nothing to me. Hey, I can hear you. Later down in the night's lair, Smedley finds Night Knight working on a new suit of battle armor to make him more of a match for Snakehead. Damn it. 
Night-Night's welding light makes it too hard for me to see what he's doing. I know. I'll stare directly into the light until my eyes adjust. That damn Pete bitch has got to go, and I mean now. Don't be ridiculous, Smedley. The flying pig is the love of my life. We're true soulmates. We couldn't part company, even if we wanted to. Yeah? Then how come I just caught her rolling around all naked like with my girlfriend? What? What? Has the world of evil cost me yet another lover? For I have been too preoccupied with the work of justice to give her the tender, loving care she needs. Clearly, my absence has lured her back to her sapphic depravity. Oh, man! Damn it! I can't see nothing! Curse you, evil! If you think your pathetic attempt at seducing the woman I love has broken me, think again! This desecration has only strengthened my resolve to punish all evil! And with that statement of bold boldness, Night Knight suits up in his new 500-pound suit of invincible battle armor. Behold, battle armor Night Knight. I, I can't see anything. I, I'm blind. <laughs> blind? The hell? Wait, you didn't stare at the welding light, did you? Well, well of course I did. Moron. <sighs> Well, it'll be a while before your eyes clear up. You'll be useless to me until then. So, Smedley, you're on monitor duty. Oh, me! You must monitor my transmissions on the chance, however unlikely, that I'll need backup against Snakehead. Now, I'm off to the old abandoned warehouse district, which is known to be a typical haunt for scum like Snakehead. Hmm. My night armor is too heavy and bulky for the night cruiser. So I'll have to use the night tank. Later, the night tank roars into the aforementioned old abandoned warehouse district. Here, Night Knight seeks his prey, for upon the throne of organized crime sits the very dragon this knight must slay. All the while, his transmissions are heard back at the night's lair by Bubo and Smedley. And so, Boo takes over monitor duty, but then, a whole ten minutes later... <laughs> this is boring. I know. I'll switch the channel to WBLZ's Rockin' Midnight Show. <laughs> Meanwhile, inside Snakehead's warehouse, his henchmen have spotted the night tank, approaching them. Boss, there's a tank outside heading our way. A, a tank? tank? Get, Get the, the rocket, rocket on it. And soon, Snakehead's men fire a monstrous missile at the Night Tank, an act which does not escape the notice of Night-Night. Holy shit! Due to that missile coming at me from that warehouse, I am forced to conclude that this warehouse is indeed Snakehead's hideout. <laughs> Damn it, Microsoft! Smedley, the computer's down. I need you to activate the tank's force field by remote control. Smedley? Smedley? Smedley! Oh, no! Is this the end of Night Night? Sure looks that way to me. Can he escape the cold grip of death yet again? Find out in the next exciting episode for our thrilling conclusion.
This has been a Nails-In production. The Night Night theme song is performed by Alistair White and his lovely wife, Heather. Incidental music is courtesy of Kevin McLeod. All characters are performed by me, Douglas Nelson. Join us again, won't you? Oh, no, Night Night. Say it ain't so. It's not so. Oh, thanks. And now... Before I turn out the lights here at RadioMisfits.com, I'll leave you with words of wisdom I learned from Chinese restaurant fortune cookies. A man's dreams are an index to his greatness. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. If at first you do succeed, try something harder. That one's for you, Mizzou. Dogs have owners. Cats have staff. Well, now you're wiser than you were before. Good night, everybody. Views and opinions expressed during the Mr. Nelson Show do not necessarily reflect those held by RadioMisfits.com. So, any complaints and or comments should be sent to at Mr. Nelson on Twitter, where they will be promptly ignored and or blocked. And that's it. Okay. Now stop.